0: If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. Taylor hit, but he bounces into the end zone.
1: How can we, like you mentioned, as pillars, as guys who are leaders on this team, how
2: can we turn that around?
0: Play action. Now he's in trouble and he's going to be brought down. A sack for the Colts. DeForest Buckner back to the 27-yard line. Never quit. I never not fall. I never not compete. And I will always continue to be a great, great leader, great competitor. Now he checks it down left side looking for the end zone for Alec Pierce. And he's got it. Touchdown! Pierce. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. In the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio, let's get the podcast started. We're back. It's draft week. A little over 48 hours from now, the Colts will be picking in the first round of the 2023 NFL Draft. This is the official Colts podcast brought to you by WinBet on a Tuesday. Matt Taylor here, J.J. Stangevitz, Larry Overton. Going up.
2: On a Tuesday
0: <laughs> Always reminds me of that Forrest Gump line I think she died on a Tuesday. <laughs> oh.
1: Those but are two Jennings. We are I know I know right now <laughs> I know. <laughs>
0: Or like Tuesday's Gone by and Leonard Skinner. Like, two, two for Tuesday. Really Taco Tuesday. Really ends of <laughs> yeah. the pop culture uh-huh. realm right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, guys, what's up? It's draft week. Do you feel the energy? Does it feel like draft week? Does it feel like it's here?
2: I feel like I have a pre-draft hangover right now. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just like, I kind of joked, you know, with you guys before we started the podcast that the last few months have almost been like this purgatory where you're just like waiting for the inevitable. You know, you're kind of just like floating around and it's, you know, all of the you know, posturing and prognosticating and all those different things were like, you're finally,
0: please, just get to draft. Yes. It's here. See, my, <laughs> the my choir, thing. The choir has sung.
1: I cannot wait to flush my brain of all this draft knowledge, yeah. Like I've just been spending the last three months on like oh, pro
2: football.
0: That's
1: why I stopped looking simulator. at things. I've but just see, but, stopped
2: looking. But like I'll, I'll,
1: I, I'll learn it when it matters. But see, I to, <laughs> so I can be prepared to have articles ready for each of our picks. Yeah. I'm trying to know who like I get you. Ev- I'm trying to know who like every single player in the draft is. It's impossible. I just and awkwardly
2: I just, corner our scouts at very inopportune yeah. time. i like, hey, hey so man,
0: what come do here. you like? what do you know? But like, <laughs> right? But, but see, because I'm trying yeah, to like look at this guy. Look at this guy.
2: And you're like,
1: so? cornerback, so huh? What do you think, But girl? I'm trying to, like, drill myself on, like, who all these guys are. Yeah. And the Colts are going to make, like, eight or nine selections in this year's draft. There are going to be 181 names that I'm not going to have yes. to care about. Because after this weekend. The
2: thing is, too, is it's not just, although the outside world is all focused on the first round pick, we care immensely about all of yeah. them, especially with how those middle rounds, how critical they have become in a number of different areas on this current roster yeah. Yeah. since Chris Ballard has led this team as general manager. But so
1: last year, we got to the seventh round pick, and it's like, okay, Rodney we're, Thomas. We're, take, we're taking some guy named Rodney and I did a, a like a control <laughs> Shut F up, search. Rodney. <laughs> I did a control F search in Dane Brugler's the beast, which lists okay. off, you know, thousands of prospects. And I'm like, yeah, there are two Rodneys in here. One of them, Dane had listed as like a potential seventh round pick from Georgia tech. And then there's this other guy from Yale. I don't know. It's probably the guy from Georgia tech. And then, Oh, Nope. Oh, nope. Oh, guy from Yale. Got to figure out some stuff about this guy. Like, that's what it's like on draft night.
2: That's me. So what I'm doing is, seriously, as soon as we pick a guy, I fire a text off to the corresponding scout mm-hmm. that has that area and trying to get things from him. So I remember doing that last year with Mike DeReese, and he was telling me about how he was kind of always on our radar, but then the pro day just, like, blew yep. it out of the water. And, and they were vertical. so worried because other teams caught on to him at that point when we'd been on him for months.
1: It is so much that goes into this. For, for all the scouts, like, talking about our, our scouting department, like, we had Chris Ballard on Mayte last week, and he talked about how the scouts are kind of the unsung heroes, right, of the of, of every organization, that you have to be able to scout these guys, you have to have, you have to talk to, like, everyone who's in this person's orbit, and then you have to have the emotional intelligence to disseminate that information and know what's real and what's not. Like, those, those guys have hard jobs. And they work long hours. And it even if you, you have the, all these reports of these guys, it doesn't mean they're going to get drafted. Mm-hmm. It's it's such an intensive process for eight or nine flashpoints that just seeing it like being within the organization and seeing it up close and seeing those guys and the work that they do, I've gained so much more of an appreciation for what scouts do. And then with the next pick, you know, going on the road with Mike Lacey and Jamie Moore and Morocco Brown, I thought was a really interesting look into – the, the scouting lifestyle yeah. that you have to just live. Just one
0: day after yeah. another, mm-hmm. all those pro days, right? Hey, just I know we're going to get going here. we got a lot to cram in. Just a quick history lesson on the draft because this is fascinating, to me anyways. So Thursday night, over 10 million viewers are going to tune in for the first round. ESPN is going to have 35 hours of draft programming. They're going to have 55 cameras, eight production trucks on the ground in Kansas City, then likewise NFL Network they're going to have 75 hours of original coverage from the draft and this all goes back to decades before right
2: sorry about your NBA finals or no, or, or the not playoffs. Finals, playoffs yeah, no, yeah NBA it. playoffs yeah that's exactly that's it
0: last year's round 1 of the NFL draft averaged over 10 million views more than double 3.98 million average of round 1 of the NBA of the NBA draft so when it comes to drafts still the NFL is king but if you go back to decades before all of this in 1980 there's this little cable outfit in Connecticut known as ESPN <laughs> they're broadcasting a lot of like Big East games uh, for the for the rest of the country to get you know familiar with you know programs like UConn and Syracuse they're desperate for programming they go to the NFL and they beg them to broadcast the draft. And it's just like a bunch of old dudes in white cut off shirts wearing ties, you know, sitting around smoking in some ballroom. The
2: entertainment and sports program network.
0: It. And now it's just this extravaganza that's three days and prime time and I mean even COVID couldn't slow it down. And COVID that had fifteen point six million viewers. The year we because were all what else were we, we doing? Right. That's yeah. what we doing?
2: <laughs> Everyone was like, "I can't wait till it gets to the sixth round to see Goodell's." Just like <laughs> yeah. you know, he's like Mister Rogers. And he's, he's shorts. Changed, yeah, yeah, he's changed yeah. into he's his cardigan his and his uh, house <laughs> well, slippers. He's feeding the fish. That-
1: that year's draft had the greatest... His wife
0: comes down and refills the MM bucket. Yeah.
1: No, that The that Belichick dog? The Bill Belichick dog. Greatest moment in NFL draft history. When <laughs> so they cut to Bill Belichick's war room and it's his dog sitting in his computer. It was incredible.
0: Yeah. So that's just a little bit of a history lesson on why we love the NFL draft. It's not a game.
2: I do love... Like, I love draft night. Like, I love it when we get to it. It just feels like... It's the, reality the, TV. The Monday through Wednesday just feels like kind of a slog. You know? It's just like, oh, just get well, here, well, you know? Again, it's, like, it's like a Awaiting Christmas Day. Yeah, like we've
0: been talking about it, this is is four and a half months in in the making for the Colts, considering the slide the team was on towards the end of last year and picking in the top five and the need for quarterbacks. So these are all things you understand. So let's talk about what we're going to be doing here on this podcast, obviously talking draft, reacting to what Chris Ballard had to say at his pre-draft press conference last week. And we'll also get into why the perception on some of these draft quarterbacks Have changed and boy, have they ever in the last couple of days. Break down some roster questions here in the spring. We're going to do that on a segment called Do We Know Yet? Trevor Sakema from Pro Football Focus will join us to talk about the draft on a national level. And we'll close out the podcast and we're going to do some drafts of our own. All right, Lara, I'm going to get into some non football categories. And you're gonna go first overall on some weirdo drafts because oh. that's where we're we're at right now, <laughs> just days away from the first round. So I, this I'm sounds. Give a note to I, re-
1: I read the rundown. These could be a little bit weirder if you change the rundown during the show to make them a little bit weirder. I wouldn't. Be oh, against
0: it. so you're saying my topics were a little mild for you. Yeah. What, are you just going to call
1: an audible That's here? That's fine. We'll see. That's fine. We'll see. I, surprise me when we get to that part yeah, of the think No, I
0: think, I think you want to surprise us, so I'm going to throw the ball to you. Ooh, okay. All right. All right, first and foremost, this is a handful of days old by now, but some big picture items on Chris Ballard, uh, JJ. What did you take away from what he had to say? He's going to tiptoe around most of the draft topics, as you would expect. Most general managers do. Just anything that you uh, took away from what Chris had to say last week? Any glimmers into where his mind might be going into round one on Thursday? No. That's, a, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's how he wants it. And, wide, and that, wide open, though. I, and But that's how every general manager operates in these pre-draft press conferences, where you're not going to tip your hand on anything. You're going to be very – you're either going to outright lie or you're going to dance around it like Chris Ballard did. To me, the, the biggest takeaway is something he's been saying for weeks is that – Because Shane Steichen has worked with so many different kinds of quarterbacks, whether it's been Philip Rivers, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, there isn't a specific type of quarterback that the Colts need to fit into their offense. This isn't like when the San Francisco 49ers were picking third overall a couple years ago, and you're trying to fit a certain kind of quarterback into a a Shanahan offense, where you're not going to change your offense for the quarterback because your offense is pretty well set. This is you're going to Shane Steichen will build his offense around whatever the talent of the quarterback is. I did a, uh, a a a show where it was a live mock draft with my old colleagues at NBC Sports Chicago uh, this week and it got to me with the 4th overall pick. Oh, uh, what'd you do? There's only one quarterback taken it was Bryce Young and I I said to one of the hosts, "Sir, I pick a number between 1 and 3." And he said 2. So I went in alphabetical order, 2 in alphabetical order was Anthony Richardson, so I said, "All right, Anthony Richardson." If you had told me one, it would have been Will Levis. If you told me three, it would have been C.J. Stroud. Because I trust Shane Steichen to develop whoever the Colts take if they go with a quarterback at number four because he he doesn't have a a type. And all these quarterbacks are different. So I think because Shane Steichen has worked with these different kinds of quarterbacks, I think he can develop any of them. Whoever the Colts decide is the right fit for the Colts at number four, I'm all in on because I think Steichen is the right coach for whoever that guy is. And, and,
0: you know, Larry, we've literally heard everything in this draft process about these reports and about these rumors, Mm -hmm. and we know none of it is coming from the Colts. That's why Thursday night's going to be so fun. I mean, everybody's going to be just hanging on every movement of the syllable from Roger Goodell, you know, with the fourth pick, the Indianapolis Colts. Have you ever been more concerned about syllables in your life? The Colts select... And no, uh, oh, it's well, yeah, it's it's see, you know, it's like yeah. it's, it's just going to be so much fun. I think with the anticipation because we truly do not know it's going to be so authentic and organic on Thursday night for everybody.
2: I think, it, and not just you know the players selected, but I think that there could still be a lot of movement. Up up top, you know. I mean, Carolina holds number one overall, but how much conversation have we heard of late about people trying to jump up to two or three, you know, and, and the competition that there is there. And usually you do see something kind of wacky like that unfold on Thursday. So I think that'll be something else that you you watch for in the next, you know, forty-eight hours if yeah. there's somebody who decides to get aggressive based on what they're hearing and the conversations that are happening between you know the front offices.
1: By the way, the silly season update from ten twenty one A. M. on Tuesday is that Will Levis's odds to be the number one pick in the NFL draft have jumped significantly. Apparently because According some, to
2: Will Levis's agent? Uh, yeah. or no, <laughs> apparently
1: some guy on Reddit has made this clear that Will Levis is going number one overall and now it, like well, what when doing? has
2: when has Reddit failed? I mean, oh, come I, on. I, I, yeah, my brother's friend was at the
1: airport and he overheard Will Levis or a guy who looks that, like Will Levis saying, "Yeah, I'm going number one to Carolina. Buy me a ticket to Charlotte." That,
2: that's like uh, whenever I worked in local news. Reporters would always try to do the flight tracker, you know, to find out where the Colts planes <laughs> oh, were. God. And, oh, that means that they're, yeah. you know, oh, they're hiring Sean Payton because the, right. the, uh-huh. or, you know, or whatever, you know, the, yeah, the, all the of that. The Jim Say
0: plane is in Gainesville. Right, right. Yeah.
2: It's like, hey, there's three of them. So, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> also. They threw you off the scent on that <laughs> I one. Mean, so, that's what this reminds me
2: of, right? Like, those reports start circulating because someone thinks that they've pinned the plane in a certain I, location. Like, the, oh, the, the, the plane was spotted in Gainesville. It was in Tuscaloosa. It was in, you know. any. You can see anything Mizzoula, on the internet and read into it. Yeah,
1: totally. Like, you could, you could see, like, I saw... Um, I saw something from our friend Vive Jones on Twitter. <laughs> the Texans put out some uh, like graphic that had a font that was similar to Will Levis's arm tattoo graphic and was like, "Oh, there you go. You're just you oh, can just wow. read into whatever you want. Oh, Speculation
0: boy. season, baby." Yeah. It's great. Is there anything more exhausting, Jeepers, cats! That's what I I'm can't saying. wait for Thursday. I know. I know. All right, how about this one? Or just a question. For both of you. Are the Colts in this draft outside of quarterback? Okay, let's let's fast forward to Friday at six PM, right before round two. Lair, are the Colts destined to address a lot of their quote unquote roster needs in this draft outside of quarterback? How do you think that goes down?
2: I don't know about destined. I, I don't know. I think that they they will address some. I think that the structure we have seen from Chris Ballard is drafting best talent available and not just based on need. And I think that that has been something that has proven to be pretty successful in those middle type of, you know, your day two and day three selections. Uh, It always heavily depends on, we see how it slides one way or another where certain drafts are stacked really really well in certain areas so you look at positions of strength in particular drafts so uh, i and then you know the other thing i think of chris always reiterates that it just because we're in this period of time where it's no longer the height of free agency like we expect it to be you can still address needs after april you can still address needs in may in June, in training camp, all of those type of things. So I I think that you will address some. Yes, some. I don't think all, and I don't think they are destined to. I think if it is the right fit for taking a guy where he is stacked on your board, Mm -hmm. you will. I don't think that, for example, if, if if we perceive that, what, corner or wide receiver is a position of need, but you have a defensive lineman that's higher graded, you're going to go with the guy with the (laughs) higher grade time after time.
1: Because your needs today are not going to be your needs tomorrow. Right. And you might need a defensive lineman in 2024. You might need him this season.
2: I mean, I kind of think back to – I remember when – they drafted Julian Blackman. And, and Jonathan we, Taylor. Well, Yeah, and Jonathan yeah. Taylor. But, I mean, with with Julian, it was like, oh, man, we've got, you know, you've got Kari Willis there and, you know, different things. And look at how that unfolded. Or look with what happened, you know, with, with Marlon Mack and JT. Like, yes, ex- exactly. The, the roster is not exactly will, what it is today and how it yeah. will unfold over the next 12 months. I
0: will say, just for the sake of playing devil's advocate, you know, if you go back in the history of, of Chris's drafts here, you, you go back to 2018, the year before that in 2017, Chris's first year here, I mean, the, the offensive line gave up a bunch of sacks. I mm-hmm. think they were dead last in the NFL in sacks allowed. So what do they do? Boom, Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, and the first 37 picks. But you go back in 2021, the Colts had a void on the roster. Danico Autry's no longer here. Justin Houston wasn't retained. The Colts' top two draft picks, both edge rushers, right? Pay, Dio Adangbo in 20, they needed a young wide receiver. Here's Michael Pittman. Last season, T.Y. Hilton isn't uh, brought back in free agency. They go after receiver and Alec Pierce in the second round. So I'm not saying... All of that is directly correlated to roster needs and then drafting that and, you know, drafting those positions the year when the roster need is present. But I do think that Chris Ballard is a general manager that is going to have those two circles overlap and be really comfortable when that happens. When need and best player are sharing an overlap of some part of that circle, then I think he's really comfortable pulling that trigger. Yeah, it's a tiebreaker
1: in it. But, I mean, if Chris Ballard didn't draft Alec Pierce in the second round last year, the Colts could have maybe addressed that later Mm -hmm. or just signed a free agent wide receiver. You still have those avenues even if you maybe don't go that route early in the draft.
0: All right, let's play Do We Know Yet. We're in the month of April. The Colts have uncertainties about the future of their roster for next season. Let's talk about some things the Colts still need to hash out in the draft. And then to your point, Lara, the rest of this offseason on do we know yet. So last week we heard from Shaq Leonard, met with reporters, talked about how he's feeling, talked about the power in his calf, having another surgery last November to address the back, the nerve and all of those issues. And when Leonard spoke, right, he was upbeat. He was positive. He was his bubbly self, but talked about his rehab, uh, still having some milestones to meet with over – four months to go before this next upcoming season opens, Larry. So when it comes to Leonard getting back on the football field, do we know yet?
2: No. And I don't – I think he would honestly say he doesn't know exactly – I mean, are you saying like – Will he get back on the football field? Like just so, in terms what, of a
0: timeline? Like oh, okay. What, what I, I mean, like I should, think he
2: will. I mean, like there, yes, he will get back. No, I don't think we know a timeline yet. I think it's way too early. I think that also one of the things he was pretty candid about was he. Had ambitious goals of returning last year and then endured some setbacks that derailed that plan. And I think he has to be much more pragmatic this season Mm -hmm. and anticipating, okay, this is the timeline I'm on now, but almost building in some detours, building in some areas where you're like, okay, I might have a setback here or here, or, you know, I have to show myself a little grace or, you know, not be deterred if. It's okay. We got to this point, but now we are going to take a a few steps back, just because of the severity of this injury and the degree that it has hampered him mm-hmm. for the last three seasons.
1: I mean, this has been hard on Shaq. Yeah, like, I I think that's something that we as don't, much mentally as physically. Yeah, like we don't often take that into account when we're talking about player injuries. It's just he's hurt. What's the timetable for him to come back? Yeah. And then you kind of forget, about and we about just him. assume
0: that he's just going to come back and play and play at a high level, right?
1: And but you you forget about him during the rehab process, and I've talked to players about that and how lonely it is and how difficult it is to be away from your teammates and feel like you can't really almost be a part of the team when you're you're going through this. And Shaq's been going through this for a year now, and he tried so hard to get back on the field, but you know, last week he admitted, you know, he saw people say, "Oh, you're selfish for getting the other procedure." Last November he said the only thing selfish I did was try to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and help my team. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, he, he is a a he's in the right mental mindset to go through this right now. Um but yeah, it's we we don't know yet what it's going to look like other than we do believe Shaq will be back on the field. We just don't know yeah. when.
0: All right, another roster question. As of now, the Colts are planning again, as of now, we haven't had the draft yet, but If you played a game today, the Colts would rely on Isaiah Rodgers big time next season in the secondary because of the departures of Brandon Faison and Stephon Gilmore. Rodgers would be in line to be a mainstay and a starter at corner. So, J.J., when projecting Rodgers to be a consistent member of the Colts uh, starting secondary, do we know yet?
1: Uh, We're closer to knowing on this one, but I think there'll be competition there. Um. And whether that comes from a draft pick or a free agent signing after the draft, kind of like Lara mentioned, you know, you can still build your roster in, in, you at know, different points of the year. Usually after the draft is when you see some veterans get released by teams, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden the free agency pool deepens a little bit. Um, you know, maybe there will be a cornerback who comes on the market who the Colts didn't expect to hit the market. You know, even look at what the Eagles did last year. James Bradbury didn't join them until the summer. And he turned out to be a Pro Bowl cornerback. So those things can happen over the course of a year. But I think if you go into the season with Isaiah Rodgers penciled in atop the depth chart, you know, you, you still want to see more from him. But you know what the talent is. And you've seen flashes of it. And you know he can do it. It's about getting him right, to play right. consistently. And I, I think he can. I think he can do it. But I just don't know if he's at a point yet where you go in and you say, ah, there's no competition for this guy. Mm -hmm. Those guys are few and far between on any NFL roster.
2: I think you're getting into a period where you can learn a lot because the veterans are beginning that voluntary OTA period this week and you'll get a good gauge, you know. Gus Bradley and Ron Miles can observe and assess exactly where Isaiah Rogers and the rest of that secondary are right now. What level are you coming in at? What impact are you trying to make in April? And that can put you on that trajectory of being able to rely upon, okay, this is where we can project he's going to be or the ascension he can take mm-hmm. within this defense. This is how he looks in certain positions based on where he was last year within this scheme. So I think you're going to learn a lot I think that you may not be able to know right now, but I think in the next, say, you know, four weeks, as you have this period of time where the vets are all getting back together and spending some critical time working together, I think that will be heavily indicative as and in in terms of exactly how
0: heavily you will rely upon Isaiah Rogers in that role. No, going back to last year, I agree with you. I mean, it, it seemed like the defense at times favored Faison, then it was Rogers, then back to Faison. Kind of this seesaw battle between playing time between those two guys. And as we all know, Rodgers has really good speed. He's got quickness. Oh, he's got that phenomenal
2: athleticism. That, yeah. That great instinct.
0: Yeah, that makeup ability. When he's partially beat, he can get back on top of the receiver. But he's five foot ten. And I think at times, just this is speculation on my part. I think at times that maybe kept him off the field with Faison being more of that bigger corner that Gus Bradley liked and that familiarity that Gus had with facing with the Raiders and a couple of other stops. Is Rodgers ready to be a starter? Are the Colts comfortable with that? And then I think still the Colts could obviously grab a corner in the draft. I think there's corners in this draft that you know have that blend of quick area, quickness that the Colts like, bigger body corners that can uh, play, press man-to-man. So sounds like there's a lot of, uh, of those guys in this draft class. All right, final uh, do we know yet? Let's talk about draft. Will Levis now, unbelievably, uh, maybe that's not the right word, but considering how crazy this pre draft process has been, the quarterback from Kentucky, now the favorite to be the number two overall pick. Multiple sports books have installed Levis as the favorite to be the second overall pick, either to the Texans or to some other team if Houston decides to trade down. And for most of this time, that was C.J. Stroud. He, You know, his odds have dropped amid increasing talk that the Texans and other teams aren't as high on him as many believe. So as it pertains to quarterback two off the board Thursday night, Lara, do we know yet? Absolutely not. Holy my.
2: Absolutely not. And I feel like that Chris Ballard kind of admitted that a little bit. On Friday, you know, you have no idea really what's going to happen based on, you know, where people are right now. I think that this is the time where it is, you know, kind of a lot of, um, PR spin from certain sides, you know, whether it's agents or managers trying to, you know, kind of escalate their guy or push a certain narrative or different things like that. Like, what was the whole chatter like? People were were peeved at CJ Stroud because he turned down the Manning Passing Academy. Like one
1: person,
2: and, and, and like like that a created a firestorm. Like, it got there poorly are these,
1: aggregated. It's like
2: you know, yeah. it's like fake news, right? Like that's <laughs> <laughs> you know, like kind of what it is.
0: Like, you're right?
1: wrong.
2: You're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. You're wrong. Um. So, yeah, I don't think we know at all because I think that, um, to quote Chris and what we heard from the Combine, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, whether you're looking at where your pick is in the first round or which quarterback you may covet as being the best fit. Because I don't think that the best or second-best quarterback is the same to every single right. team. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, that's why I just
1: – there. It wouldn't shock me if – you pulled 32 Look, teams. Maybe
2: somebody is like, I, it's worth Anthony Richardson. Like, yes, it's or, like the most unknown, but we think that he is just like this unicorn, right? You, and we're you willing went, to give him the time to develop, right. and we know he's raw, but he has the high, maybe you think he has the highest ceiling of all of the guys.
1: I bet if you pulled 32 teams, you would legitimately have, I don't even know if it's mathematically possible, you would have uh, pretty much every single team would have their own ranking of those top four guys. And oh, yeah. You, yeah, could, yeah. you could have a team that could have Bryce Young fourth. You could have a team that has Bryce Young first. You could have a team. That is, Will Levis first or Richardson or Stroud or wherever. You could have those guys slide at anywhere.
0: Maybe,
2: we, maybe somebody has Hendon Hooker above Will Levis. You yeah. could. Like, can we yeah. make
0: that Absolutely. happen, though? Can we put in a request after the yeah, draft? We just need to see your top five picks. <laughs> yeah. We need to see your board yeah, it's so like, that we can have closure.
1: It's like in poker where you're playing like a very <laughs> collegial game, and
0: it's like, all right, show your cards. Oh, you no, know. that's Euchre. That's Euchre. Where we I don't have know to how re- to play we Euchre. We have to relive the hand after, mm-hmm. after all the cards are out. You guys I don't, don't do that? No, uh, i poke, never poker, I don't know, poker I don't know how Sometimes to you,
1: if you're if you're playing with a group of buddies, you know, and you're not really playing for anything, you just ah, oh, yeah, you here, all here all I, had, I, I had I had two and a seven. Yeah. You know, I, I knew gotcha. you had
0: the nines. So I threw the queen, and, you know, I'm like, "Oh my god, who cares? The round is over. Move on. Deal <laughs> deal the next round. Let's go." No, that's where we're at. I think you guys are spot on on that. Uh let's keep the draft talk moving. We'll continue to talk about all the K's uh chaos. Easy, easy for me to say. <laughs> chaos that might unfold to the top of the draft. Let's head to the phone lines now. Welcome back, one of our favorite insiders regarding the draft. We had him on a few weeks ago uh, on Inside the Draft. Trevor Sakima is back on the podcast from Pro Football Focus NFL, NFL Draft Insider. Trevor, good to talk to you again, sir. How are you? I am doing
3: fantastic, guys. I appreciate you having me on.
0: indeed. so i'm I know you're just as ready for this draft as we are over like four and a half months of speculation here. So I gotta start first with something we just talked about on our podcast with this whole will Levis now uh, the perception on him is that he's quarterback number two, whereas before all of this, early on in the pre-draft process, it was all about CJ Stroud. Why is cj Stroud? falling in terms of perception? How did that happen? And do you buy what's going on here?
3: Well, you know, anytime a guy moves up and down around this point in the draft calendar, I I really say when it's March and April, but especially in the mid to late parts of April, it's simply about the general public finding out something about what the NFL has probably believed for a month or two now. So it, it always seems very strange when there is this movement like this. and You go, hold on, wait a second. Nobody played any new games. There's not any new tape to evaluate. The combine combine is long gone. So this honestly might just be recalibrating of what we're trying to predict that the NFL is going to do. I think that when Carolina traded up to number one overall, there was a lot of connections between Stroud and and Frank Reich and and him being his type of quarterback and him maybe going number one overall. And I think that's when a lot of the reviews for C.J. Stroud were sky high. And I think that since then, it feels like it's, getting to a point where Bryce Young is going to be the number one overall selection, or at least that seems to be the big-time favorite as of now. And since C.J. Stroud's no longer locked into that number one spot, I think you're learning a lot of what other people in the league are are thinking about all these quarterbacks. And I really don't think it's a knock on Stroud nearly as much as it is a representation of this draft class as a whole, and that is every team is probably going to think about these guys and a lot of the other positions very differently you're going to hear some scouts rave about this edge rush class thinking oh man there's so many that we could take in the first round there's so many guys that could be impact players we're comfortable with a lot of them in the top 50 and you might get some other scouts that say man i wouldn't i wouldn't be comfortable with any of these edge rushers until middle of day two. and it just feels like that kind of draft class so that's why i i feel that's just a representation of what we're seeing at the quarterback position finding out a little bit more information but also you got to remember that Every opinion is going to be very different with this class.
1: When you've gone through this year's draft and trying to fit the puzzle pieces together, can you recall a draft that that you've covered that has had this much uncertainty? I mean, now there's even like this bubble up of uncertainty of who's going to go number one overall because apparently some Reddit post is influencing sportsbooks into rocketing Will Levis up to number one overall. Like, has there ever been a draft where you can remember this much
3: uncertainty? Yeah, I'm just going to nickname Will Levis GameStop from now on because of uh, <laughs> what Reddit's been doing to nickname his stock here. So, no, I, I think that it is, it's It's going to be a crazy night one of the draft. It really is. They're just – as we've kind of learned more about what general managers and scouting staffs think of this class, and I, and I think we're getting to the point where maybe they're tired of keeping things close to the desk. You know, it's almost Thursday. It's almost round one probably willing to talk a little bit to either some media members or their friends, and they're probably sick of trying to make something of this class, and and, and I think we're, we're really hearing a lot of different opinions on a lot of different guys, and I'm going to be honest. I've been covering the NFL draft full-time for about five, six years now. Uh, I've done it long before, part-time with that, but I cannot remember a draft with this much uncertainty, truly. I, I really believe we're going to get past the top ten of this draft and all of a sudden, we're going to see names go in the top 15, top 20 that were like, whoa, yeah. we were thinking that they were going to be second round picks, mid second round picks. And it's just going to be uh, a, an extremely entertaining draft come Thursday
0: night. Well, Trevor, what do you think of the class overall? Because, you know, I've read where some GMs are saying there's just not a lot of first round grades on players. I don't know exactly what that means, the criteria across the NFL, but, you know, there's a lot of people that think that next year's top players would be this year's top players if they were in the draft. Do you buy that? I mean, just the the notion that there's not a lot of home runs in this draft. Are you in line with that?
3: I, I would be. You know, just listening to a lot of uh press conferences and, again, general managers when they've been speaking about a lot of this stuff, I, I've, I've kind of come to the conclusion that if you were to average out all of the first-round grades between all 32 teams in the NFL – I think it would probably land somewhere between 15 to 20. You know, every team, the average would be about 15 to 20 first-round grades that they have in a singular draft class. Now, there are some years where you could have anywhere from 25, 30, 35. You're probably not getting higher than that just because a first-round grade is tough to earn. But it it does seem like a down class overall. Now, that's not to say there's not going to be impact players, right? 256 selections still have to get made in this draft. And I do think that these guys that are getting second round, third round, fourth round grades, whatever it is, they're still going to be important parts for a team. Are they going to be the takeover franchise type of players? No, I I think that we're learning and we're coming to the conclusion that this class probably just isn't going to have a lot of those guys. But it's going to be a lot of those wide receiver twos, cornerback twos, you know, linebacker twos, defensive tackle twos, like just these guys that will be able to shape what is the meat and cheese, if you will, of your depth chart. You know, It's just something that's going to be able to fortify the health of your team from your first stringers, your second stringers, your third stringers, and even the guys that make up the special teams unit for you. So it's a team-building class, but I wouldn't say it's a franchise-changing class except for maybe a couple of guys at the very top. With that in
1: mind, because there are only a couple of guys at the top, would that make it potentially less likely for a team like Arizona to trade down from number three, where, you know, maybe they look at it as there are only two elite players in this class and they have a chance to get one of them? Or because you you can kind of build a team, but you're not building a franchise because Arizona has so many roster needs, you know, maybe they have the worst roster in the NFL potentially, that they may need to just accumulate as many picks as possible to just start getting functional NFL bodies on their team.
3: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to see what Arizona does at number three because it's going to give you a hint of where this new regime believes that this team is. You know, you sign Kyler Murray to a massive contract, but he gets hurt, probably not going to play at all next year. It's probably going to be a wash of a year anyway. DeAndre Hopkins looks like he wants out. And if you take DeAndre Hopkins off of this team, even if you leave Kyler Murray on it, I mean, there's just not a lot of guys – To point to that you say you're going to be there for the next winning window for Arizona so it puts them in an incredibly interesting situation at three where you figure whoever whichever quarterbacks or maybe how many quarterbacks are on the board when they finally come on the clock that might go into the trade value of what they might be able to get when they're trading back but yeah that's something that I've been thinking about for a long time now it's been rumored that say the Tennessee Titans have been a team that's been looking to trade up is Arizona really going to want to go from 3 to 11? You know, The player that you're getting 11 is a lot less of a sure thing in this class, I think, than the one that you'd be getting at 3. So for Arizona, I think that really limits their options if they want a major impact player. Now, if they want to kick the can down to next year, I know you guys asked about next year's class. Grass is always greener a year out. But I do think that next year's class is going to be stronger at the top. At least it looks that way. If they want to totally kick things down the road and say, "Hey, we don't really care about the compensation that we're getting back in this year's draft class. We want you guys to load up the future picks on whatever we're trading back." Then all of a sudden, Arizona can open up the door wide open. I mean, Tennessee at number 11, uh, New England at number 14, Pittsburgh at number 17. You even get a little bit further down. I've heard about Baltimore maybe wanting to go up and get the top corner in this class. Minnesota maybe wanting to get aggressive to trade up. I know those teams don't have a ton of draft picks, but I'm just kind of throwing out different scenarios because if Arizona is in that mindset where this year's return doesn't really matter, then it opens wide open. But if they still want to get a premium player, I can't see them moving that far down. I really can't.
1: The, the last one I got for you, Trevor was about Tennessee. Cause you mentioned them potentially moving up. Are they, like do you believe that they're in a position as a franchise to go up and get a quarterback or are they maybe more likely to stay at 11 or even trade down uh, you know, new GM trying to build out their roster. Where where do you see them standing at in this year's draft?
3: It's another it's another fascinating case because I would tell you that Tennessee has always felt like they were there and ready to compete. Right that that's always been Mike Vrabel's uh, attitude. There's never been a sense of rebuilding, I, I think, at all since he really came on, and at least since they opened up their winning window. But I also think that. This team crashed and burned a lot harder than they ever thought they would during the second half of last season. Rand Carson comes in to be the general manager. And sure, Tennessee can make a trade to move up from 11 to 3, but you know it's probably going to cost a lot of your draft capital both this year and next year. Is Rand Carson really going to want to come in as a first-year GM and give up multiple drafts? To go get a quarterback, do they think that this team is ready? They've still got major questions along the offensive line. I still think they need a deeper rotation along their defensive line. Their cornerback room is young, but it still needs to get more solidified. And they really don't have the pass-catching playmakers in the passing game to be able to alleviate what you think is going to be the identity with Derrick Henry. So it it is. I I, I am. This is another team, and I don't say this is a cop-out answer, but this is a team that I am fascinated to see how they operate simply because Vrabel and the rest of that, I think, hive mind there in Tennessee has not been in this position before. How honest are they going to be with where they are, what they need, or are they going to say, nope, we're close, go get a quarterback, we're going to compete next year? And I look at the rest of the roster, I'm not so sure that's the case. So, interested to see what they do.
0: Yeah, Trevor, last one with you on top of the draft. I know you're covering the entire league. So, got to ask you about this Aaron Rodgers trade. He's now with the Jets. The Jets swap first-round picks with Green Bay. The Packers get a second-round pick this year. They likely get a first-round pick next year, and the Jets have to take on that contract. And this is all in the backdrop of Rodgers probably never wanting to play for the Packers again, so it's it's interesting as far as the leverage is concerned. So how do the Packers pull this off, and isn't this what they've wanted this entire time? Why did it take so long, and, and why did the Jets seemingly finally give in before the draft?
3: I think that when you look at it from the Jeff side, certainly knowing what you're getting back with Aaron Rodgers, going all in on this window that you currently have, the trade was expected. I would say the price that they gave up was expected. It's a pick swap right. in the first round. Right, right. You're giving up a second-round pick this year, and you're giving up some sort of conditional pick in the future. That's kind of what we thought was going to be the case. Honestly, though, for Green Bay, for Brian Guttenkunst to get what he got back for a player who was not going to play for them ever. Exactly. Very, very good job by him. And I think that it was just tinkering with this trade a little bit here and there that ended up with Green Bay in a great situation. Uh, Obviously sitting here now at 13 instead of 15, you're a couple spots ahead. You get the second-round pick that you thought you were going to get. And I think the conditions of that second round to first round, they were light. I mean, like you said, this is going to be a first-round pick next year. Aaron Rodgers, outside of him getting hurt, he's going to play 65% of the snaps, if I was the Jets, what I would have been pushing for, and maybe they did, and it just Brian Krugincoos was just putting his foot down, and they they had a stalemate, and they just needed to get this deal done before the draft. I would have been pushing for that second to first conditional pick, being whether or not Rogers was going to be on the team next yeah, season. 24. I would have somehow gotten that into the deal because the 65 percent of the snaps that's a Slam you might dump. as well just give him the first round pick now yeah. you know it doesn't it that that part doesn't really matter so that was the only thing when i looked at the trade i said it, I, I thought it was fine for both sides and when i saw that detail i went man i would have made the conditions of the deal much more heavily weighed upon whether you're getting two years out of rogers instead of one because if you're getting two years out of him, then mm-hmm. all of a sudden Giving up that first-round pick next year is is fine. You're okay with it. You're in the winning window. That's what you want. But, man, the 65%, if you only get him for one year and he's done, that's a steep price. Probably still worth it for him, but that's a steep price enough.
0: Good stuff. Trevor Sakema, pro football focus NFL draft NFL insider. Trevor, really appreciate the time. Thank you so much during this pre-draft period chatting with us twice. Thanks for the uh, couple minutes today. Have a great rest of the week. And, uh, of course, enjoy the draft and good luck with all the coverage on Pro Football Focus.
3: Hey, you guys enjoy it, too. Appreciate having me on at any time. Thanks, Trevor.
0: Trevor Sakima, Pro Football Focus with the coverage on the NFL draft. Reminder in terms of our coverage, that's coming up Thursday, April 27th, two days from now. Colts are hosting their official draft party presented by Bud Light at Buffalo Wild Wings all across central Indiana, Indy, Greenwood, Plainfield, Westfield. The parties are free. That's the best part, free, open to the uh – Fans of all ages, activities include appearances by Colts legends, Gary Brackett is going to be on hand, Ryan Deem at another location, Marlon Jackson, Jack Doyle and others, Colts cheerleaders, giveaways and other fan and family friendly opportunities for all the details on Thursday night and the Buffalo Wild Wings closest to you and your location, head to colts.com slash draft. All right, we've had some heavy, heavy draft combo so far today on the podcast I say we close it out, have some fun. We're drafted out. So I, I can't look at another mock draft. I can't look at another fake report on all these quarterbacks. Fake news. So I've got category <laughs> drafts. Make your picks in the following mm-hmm. category. So, Lara, last year, unfortunately, you had a rough year. You went 13, or excuse me, 4-13. and 13. Mm-hmm. You're, you're picking first overall. Mm-hmm. All right, JJ, you had another tough year. You went 5-11-1. The first draft, Lara, for you is... Condiments. You have the first overall oh, thought, pick.
2: This says JJ is first, right? Am I not? We You,
0: made it traded, oh, okay. you traded me <laughs> the Condiments? first overall pick. You have Aaron Rodgers on your one. roster right now. So with the first overall pick okay. in the condiment draft, Lare Overton, you get to make the first selection. A one. A one. A
1: one. Not even ranked on
0: a- my board. A one. I love A one. Outside of steak, yeah. what are you putting A1 on? Baked potatoes. I'm going for versatility. Like
2: burgers. Value. Uh, tons of wow. things. Vegetables. Like when I was a kid, actually, there's this place in, in Jeffersonville, Indiana, Frank Steakhouse. I love A1 so much. They would bring out the dinner rolls, and I would dunk the dinner roll in the A1. Sounds wow. like stri- respect. How's it straight yeah. to the face? How- <laughs> A1 yeah. to the face.
0: a yeah, Dinner roll.
1: See, this is like the quarterback. Yeah. You know, I you have a different it. view of everyone. Be- it's the, right. the, most, it's the most
2: versatile
0: condiment. With the second pick in the condiment draft, <laughs> JJ Stankovich takes.
1: A lot of internal debate because I was thrown off. I thought, I thought between a Chipotle aioli, a very spice- specific it's, it's spicy brown honey. mustard. Okay. See, th- this is probably too much of a reach. Like, I could probably get this in the second round. <laughs> in and out spread.
0: I could oh, probably get yeah. that in the second round. Okay. Again, very specific.
1: I think I'm going to go. I'm just going to try to hit one right down the middle of the fairway here. Not go too too crazy. Spicy brown mustard. Okay. Very versatile. Can do a lot of things with it. Put it on your burgers, on your sandwiches. You can marinate some uh, pork it. tenderloin what? in it. It's delicious. Tip That's the, the most
2: obscure Answer I ever you remember. said a one. Yeah, you did
0: say a one at the top, <laughs> Spicy like the first, brown the mustard? first round. Okay,
2: Casey Valier and I are lined over here. Like Casey is my hype man in the back. Like, yeah, okay. What are you going? What are All you right, going so here? You, Three the, overall. The,
0: the, this is like Moses in the Red Sea. You guys have just parted ways. I still get the player or the condiment that I covet the most. It's ranch dressing. Bull. <laughs> Bull. Ranch, Bull. It's Bull. A,
2: ranch dressing it's, is absolute. It's trash. a very
0: midwestern oh, take. Oh, ranch disgusting. dressing. Disgu- in I- the fifth round. No. No.
2: No no, 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 no. No, I'm.
0: Yeah. I'm talking pizza. No. I'm talking no. wings. I'm talking wow. tortilla wow. chips. Ugh. Yes. No. Yes. Tortilla. No. No. no.
2: no. Blue no. cheese is far superior. to you ever, you ever in been to You ever
0: been to Chili's and dip the tortilla chips in their ranch?
2: Absolutely not. Oh
0: my God. It changes your life. Thank you, Casey. <laughs> Thank you. What are we doing? Ranch. What are we doing? Nah. See, this is nah. we are we got a, we got a lot of nah. split decisions here on the condiments. All right, draft number two, uh, JJ. I'm going to let you go first here. Ready? With the first pick in the '90s sitcom draft, JJ Stangovic selects.
1: I am running to
0: the podium
1: <laughs> like Hank Scorpio in a fun run and selecting The Simpsons.
0: Oh, yeah. Very popular. You ever see a man say
1: goodbye to to a shoe? Very popular.
0: Appreciate that. Lara?
2: I kind of was just the wish this were two thousands sitcoms because you and I would arm wrestle for this pick, like Me? we would leverage everything. Yeah, because I feel like we would be on Modern what? Family oh, together yeah, if this yeah. were if it were two thousands, like twenty tens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Although um,
0: I don't know if that's a sitcom, but it's in, it's in the neighborhood. You're right. I You're think right. it's a sitcom.
1: It's a sitcom. But yeah,
0: yeah. You're probably right.
2: um, because we we quote it, we love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is very personal. I know that no one, you know, not everyone's going to agree with this, but kind of like my go to feel good. Show is just Friends, yeah, like yeah. It's a very I, I basic answer. Yeah, very basic answer. So right down yeah. the middle of the fairway. Yeah. So yeah, like it's my sister and I love it. My sister and I lived together in college. It was on rotation constantly. We it's had all still the going. DVDs. It's oh, still going. Yeah. yeah. My husband's convinced that uh, TBS is really just the Friends channel. That that's just yeah. really they're just dedicated the to Bang a constant theory. loop of, of Friends. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay, you could have gone with Seinfeld. I I respect the heck out of Seinfeld. I do. I love it. Um, but there's one and it's you guys are gonna make fun of me here that's always a cut above for me because of the, the star of the show. That would be Tim Allen and home improvement. My board is stacked <laughs> oh, 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 differently. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> There's an audible reaction over there. Well, are, it's you, like, are you I'm trying, to do the, I'm
2: trying to do the grunt.
0: The, you, uh, uh, oh, yeah, but I'm okay. saying eight seasons, Patricia Richardson, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Richard Anderson? Karn, yes. <laughs> Come on. 204 strong episodes. It's Pro Bowl caliber. A yeah, couple I'm of first-team All-Pros in there. Franchise star in Tim Allen. Yeah. Home improvement. You there you wrong. go with the third Nothing pick. Nothing wrong with that. All right. I'm going to go first on the last one here. With the first pick... In the months-of-the-year draft, may selects May.
2: I, I knew that was, yeah. That the was, month of
0: May. Yeah. The draft is over. OTAs are here. The weather is in Indiana. The weather is the best it's going to be all year. It's hot, not too hot, not humid. Everybody's yard's looking good. Cars are on the track at the Speedway. you got Memorial Day. You've got the NBA playoffs back in the day. In this market, not much better with when you have pacers and racers going on at the same time. Major League Baseball is in full swing. May, best month of the year.
1: I have no no comment other than that's a good pick. Okay.
0: All right, JJ, you're number two.
1: October. Yes. Racing to the podium for that October. Two. That was number and two. And I knew, I knew I I could have traded back here and still got October because I knew Lara <laughs> wouldn't pick it. I hate the fall. Hates
0: fall. <laughs> could have traded back and still got October.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> you can have anything. Lara, what are you trading
0: up for then?
2: Um, I have like a very split, like a, like I am June slash July on this. I'll give like June kind of like personally, I love July. It's our anniversary, 4th of July. It's my husband's birthday. It's my, both of my dad's birthdays fall in July. So I kind of like at my core, I love the month of July, but I'm going to say that June would be my selection as best
0: month. Oh, oh, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I got like two second round picks. I'm trading back up in the first round. Ready for this? Hot take. January. January. Here, just hear me out, okay? Because NFL
2: NFL playoffs, college football playoffs, good college basketball. You stay
0: inside, you nest, you put on a hoodie, Um, college hoops from noon to midnight. I I
2: get that. I'm with you there. I'm with you there, but I get such horrible seasonal depression. Like because yeah. you don't see the daylight, like you, it's just gray. Like so, I get it from a sports programming standpoint, yes. But Got from some a long mental weekends in but there. From a mental health standpoint, yeah. I yeah. am in no worse shape ja- than <laughs> in January. January, <laughs> yeah. Get, yeah.
1: I will take January weekends, but midweek January, yeah. ugh. Yeah, it, that's it snows on a Wednesday. You're shoveling snow in pitch blackness. Listen, because it's January, dark at four o'clock. January's
0: not a perfect prospect. Okay, there's a lot of holes in that game. I'm no, just saying so you're going for why, upside. You're, here's why. <laughs> you're going for upside.
2: Here's why I love June. Okay. okay? Month of May is filled with <laughs> a lot of obligations because it's like race season and all that shenanigans and stuff. So you feel like that you got a lot of like things going on that you're committed to. It's I feel vibrant. Like that, I feel like that the calendar opens up a lot in June. It's early enough in the summer that you got a lot of free time. You can still plan some good things. You can just like on a whim be like, hey, let's take off a Friday and take a long weekend and you know, do a lake trip to Lake Monroe, maybe or do something. <sighs> Something like that, in, in. you know, or hey, we're gonna. <laughs> what we're time gonna, we leaving? Yeah, exactly, right. You can do things like that in June. When you get into July, it starts. Your window starts to close a little bit. Yeah. The weather's awesome in June, and even if you're not traveling, like there's lots to do around Indy. You can go take a little dip over at the rivy, you know, get yourself <laughs> a little pool afternoon uh, yeah, before you no venture doubt. before you venture into Broad Ripple and maybe hit flat water for some bevvies and a time on the patio.
0: Bevvies, oh <laughs> lots my of. Outdoor so music.
2: trendy,
1: <laughs> oh hipster, Lara. Some I beddies. didn't. I didn't get a chance to uh, make my case for October, but no
2: one cares.
0: <laughs> wow, you're just raking leaves, anyways. It doesn't you're, matter. But
1: October, to me, I the October. October weather is some of the best. I always enjoy October because I'm always like, it's the last chance. Of it to be nice out for a while. So I'm going to fully enjoy every Doesn't day of matter. October yeah. where it's like, all right, 65, you get that little chill going, you get Can I tell football you something? on on Saturdays.
2: I really don't like fall colors. Like, orange I don't like and orange and brown. It's just like, bleh. Very, very Cleveland Browns. Like, just like, ugh.
0: You just disrespected an yeah. entire fan base. <laughs> and I a mean, season.
2: I'm sure they've respected time I'm of sure the year.
0: Disrespected he just disrespected uh, pumpkins and uh, cider yeah, and yeah. leaves and uh, yeah. Yeah. football. I don't, need,
2: I don't need bulbous gourds as decor, really. I'm, you know? I'm alright without it. This
0: officially is the worst eight minutes <laughs> in the history of this podcast <laughs> right before the NFL draft because that's where we are, folks. We are drafted out soon. It will be all over. The next time we talk the draft will have happened and the narrative will have progressed. Guys, always love doing this show. Show with you. Lara, real quick, with the next pick, what can we expect? After the draft.
2: We will be inside the draft room in the thick of it as the selections are being made, the phone calls with the picks, uh, all of the reaction. That will be coming at you the week following the draft, a highly anticipated episode, yes. and a huge round of applause with for Matt Wilkening. He is seriously the, the mastermind yeah. of the operation. Um, Edit We have Meister. so much fun working on that. And also, just... I know we've said this time and time again, but it would be absolutely impossible to do without the cooperation of Chris Ballard, Ed Dodds, the support of all of the scouts, the PR staff, football ops, everyone. So we're yeah. so immensely grateful that we're able to continue this
0: and deliver that content season after season. And, J.J., what is your words per minute on the keyboard?
1: It's, uh, it's going to be... Significant, Yes. Um, it's
0: going to be put to the test. Yeah. You're be because writing we, furiously. We
1: make the pick, and I'll probably have three stories shortly after we make the pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Brooks and I are going to record an episode of Instant Reaction, a yes. special episode of Instant Reaction, after yes. the Colts make their pick in the first round. And then we're going to hear from the draft pick. We're going to hear from Chris Ballard. Thursday is going to be a long night, but it is going to be a fun, yes, fun time.
0: Yes, tune in. Colts draft radio coverage this weekend starting Thursday night, 93.5, 107.5. The fan will have live pick-by-pick analysis Thursday and Friday night starting at 7 p.m. both nights. Rick Venturi, Joe Wrights, myself on Thursday, then just Rick and I on Friday. We're going to go with you the entire way, rounds one through three, breaking it all down. We'll also have overtime podcasts. Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday, recapping each day of the draft. So we're just getting started. As I said, guys, love you. Love doing this show with you. It's here. It's finally here. We can put some of this talk to bed and to rest and then never think about it for the rest of our lives. For Lair Overton, J.J. Stangovitz, I'm Matt Taylor. This is the official Colts podcast brought to you by Winbet. We'll do it again next week, recapping the draft here on the Colts Audio Network. So long. Have a great day.